Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Sheila Shoiga and welcome to Ready to be Real Conversations, the podcast series where I chat to people of all walks of life. Some names you'll recognise, others you might not. My hope is that these conversations will at times inspire, challenge, educate, comfort or simply entertain you. This week I chat to the one and only Mr. Tommy Tiernan. I found when I came home after the retreat that I was... um one of the, the things you get asked to do as a dad is to, to join in with your children. And I would have always um, had, you know, oh, not now, I'm, I'm doing something and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm busy at this and I'm busy at that. And I, I noticed when I came back from, but, but that also has to do with, I think, with my work in that it is um, the, the kind of the adrenaline and the collapse I was so kind of stuck in that rhythm that I found it very hard to summon the energy to go playing with the kids when they wanted me to. Mm-hmm. I found when I came back from the treat that I was just, I was totally in the zone. I was just like, let's do it. You know, uh, and I got a great summer out of it. I was, I felt planted. A world-renowned comedian, actor, writer and recent years TV host, Tommy has lived in many places. He was born in Donegal and when he was just three, his family moved to Africa for a few years. He's also lived in London, Cork, Athlone and most notably Navan for a good many years before making his home in the west of Ireland. He turns 52 next month and he's lived in Galway for the past 32 years. He has six children and one granddaughter who's six months old. Three kids from a previous relationship and three kids with his wife Yvonne, a very talented woman in her own right. In this conversation, he shares his thoughts on the coronavirus situation we're in. He also talks about his interest in religion and philosophy, his experience of meditation and his love of strong coffee. 
This chat was a first for me because instead of sitting face to face with someone and having a chat, we recorded it online. But despite not being able to see him, it's a conversation that will stay with me for a very long time. Here it is. So look, we are yeah. in the middle of this very, um, I suppose, surreal time in our lives. Yeah. How are you? How are you holding up? Uh, I was in an awful mood this morning and yesterday. I found myself getting quite angry and I couldn't. Um, I play I play pool by myself against myself. Oh, do you? And, I set, and I set myself these challenges, um, you know, uh, stupid little man stuff. But I wasn't succeeding in any of them. And I found myself on the verge of breaking the queue uh, across the side of the table. So I went out for a long cycle and... Um, uh, it's funny, it lifted today around lunchtime, but stuff like that, you know, I guess to me, this kind of whole thing reminds me of almost being on a retreat mm. in that um, you have very few distractions. So you're forced in a sense to, um, uh, you're more aware of whatever mood you might be in. Um, yeah. And previously, you know, if you're, uh, you know, you head into town for a coffee, you go for a drive, you'd be kind of sideways with work. You'd have always have distractions, you know. Yeah. Um, so what I'm finding with this is that it's a very valuable time in the sense of just having to deal with the ups and downs of your own mood swings. And it's funny when you said retreat, I was kind of thinking about uh, times when I've gone on, on different types of retreats in the past. Mm -hmm. And one a few years ago, a yoga retreat went on and we had to hand our phones over, you know, because it was... Yeah you know, this, you're here for this time. And there was a bit of silence involved. It wasn't fully silent, but there were, it was meant to really be silence all day long. And I wasn't really that great at that part, but putting the phone away and handing the phone over at the beginning. I mean, I struggled with it. It was like, what, what are they doing? Why, why do I have to hand it over? And yeah. by the end of the few days, I was almost reluctantly taking it back. It kind of takes us a while sometimes, doesn't it? Kind of drop down and to adjust to something that's different. And I think initially we can, uh, pull against it and not want it because we're used, as you said, to the distractions of modern life. It's more, it's more than the distractions, though. I have a sense that we're overstimulated. Yeah. Um, and I know that stimulation is something that I crave. You know, I, I get up mm. in the morning and I have a very strong cup of coffee immediately. Uh, and then I more often than not immediately spend five or ten minutes on the phone checking out newspaper headlines because there's the stimulation of you know, bouncing from one website to the next and all the different colours. And they think they've done research into the dopamine hits that you get from the going on different sites at such a rapid pace. And then I've got into the habit of, over the past six weeks of having a cigar, like a big Mickey length cigar, like these big <laughs> long, right. long yolks, like um, uh, at like 10 o'clock in the morning. You know, okay. followed by a, a marvelously strong pot of coffee. Okay. And uh, I mean, I come down to the shed to do that now. I was just I, thinking. I was thinking, how is it your wife Yvonne? Like, she, she, you know, you're smoking a cigar in the house, so it's not in the house. It's not in the house. No, it's down the right, shed. Yeah. Okay. And, um, I what I've noticed is that it's I have a constant need for stimulation. You know, and okay. that's, that's the challenge of of this kind of, uh, of this big retreat is kind of becoming aware of that and thinking, okay, that's not, not actually what I want on, and on one level I do want it, but on another level I don't. Um, and, um, it's difficult, you know, I, I come from a long line of buzz seekers. 
Mm. And uh, so I find that difficult to deal with. Um, and then, yes, when I, when I spoke to you last week, I used a word that you instantly said, geez, I'm not that at all. I, I described yeah. you as, as somebody I felt was very grounded because I think to do the kind of stuff that you do um, and, you know, to, to, to have the bravery to do a show where you have no clue who is going to come out and sit in the chair in front of you, uh, I think would take somebody who has a real good sense of themselves, a real good sense of grounding and balance and let's go with the flow and whatever happens, happens. And yet you say that you're, you know, you're constantly in need of distractions. And when I listen to your voice, I find something very, um, it is that feeling of grounded, earthiness, safety, mm. slow. There's a slow pace to your voice. You're mm. very considered with your words. You you pause, you reflect. And yet you say, so I find that hard to kind of go, is he, but really? Because he's. I'm hearing this and I'm feeling this from him, but yet he's telling me something else. It's more that we say for the television show, the, the television show is a peak moment. You know, um, mm. it'd be like seeing Usain Bolt in the 100 metres. <laughs> and just because he runs very fast for those 10 seconds doesn't mean that he's running that fast all the time. Sure, Jesus, yeah, yeah, where, yeah. Would, where would he live like? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he'd be, you know, he'd be 25 miles from home before 11 o'clock in the morning. Like he'd be gone. <laughs> you know, so. Uh, so, that, so, so that's a... a that's what the moment requires, you right. know. Um, so you you appear to be that way. Um, the stand up now is quite wild and quite unhinged, mm. uh, but you are in tune with something. You are uh, grounded in. You're on some kind of a wavelength. You're on some level of intuition and um, verboseness. I suppose. But um, and the thing about language is that I just love I love creating with it. I, I love the possibilities of um, of language. And I, I think the fact that we have um, thousands of years of uh, an Irish language structure in our imaginations means mm. that we come to English with a different. Um, uh, I guess we're more, we're more restless with it. You know, it's um, yeah. I kind of think as well with the, all the all the great artists, all the great, say, Jewish artists that came out of America in the 20th century, most of them came from homes where the mother and father's original language was something else. You know, the great emigration from Eastern Europe and Russia uh, into the States meant that th these people were almost coming to English for the first time and wrestling with it. And, you know, the the great achievements of of Jewish literature and Jewish stand up and Jewish songwriting, um. So I'm very. I I just love the I, I love the verbal art form, you know. Mm. Um, but I, I'm not grounded. Uh, but is it a case of because I feel sometimes, um, you know, regardless of what we do for a living, there's an element of of putting on the version of ourselves that is appropriate for a situation. You know, you're not always going to be the the Tommy, as you said, the kind of the manic energy on stage, perhaps when you're doing a gig, as you might be when you're a dad with your kids or, or whatever it is. You, course, there are, yeah. you know, we have all of these. Um, do, and they're all you, instinctive. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah. All, every single one of us, we talk differently to our grannies than we do to our best friends and we do to sure. the priest or the police, you know, um, 
or our children. So it's, it's all, yeah, it's all instinctive. And it's all very natural. The self is very hard to define. And um, I, I, I wouldn't have a sense of there being a, a singular me or a real me or a me that I can depend on. Um, you know, I've, I've, it's very, words kind of fail you when you try to start talking about these things because it's mm. maybe you're reaching for a place that language can't describe. If it's okay, I'd like to, because you mentioned the word, you've said retreat. I don't yeah. know whether it's it's a, a religious retreat or more spiritual or even just a simple act of retreating from distractions of the outside world at the moment. But yeah. I know that you didn't necessarily grow up in a very religious household, but yet you were drawn to religion. Yeah. And you have always felt that pull or that uh, intrigue towards. It was, it was just an otherness. Yeah. Know? Okay. It was, it was kind of like, um, I remember being 16 and listening to Bob Dylan and Bob Dylan's albums on vinyl from the 1960s, songs like Masters of War, The Times That Are Changing, Blown in the Wind and all this stuff that spoke of a kind of a a way of being in the world that wasn't offered to me in school. And Christianity just seemed an extension of that, even though it was a religious boarding school that I was in. Uh, it was almost like the the, the the boarding part of the school could be religious, but the curriculum wasn't. Um, so, and I, you know, the, I think because I wasn't brought up in a religious household, I mean, religious in any way, I, to me, it always seemed like a great adventure. And I kind of see it the same way, like my two older boys were really into basketball when they were growing up uh, and they were really into it and I never played it in my life. So it all, I wonder, did part of it have to do with the fact that they were covering territory that their father hadn't? So this was fresh, fresh pasture uh, for Tiernan's. Um, I know at the moment one of my sons is really good at Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> Again, he's discovering new territory of the clan. So, um, t- to me, it it felt religion felt new, you know. Um, yeah, it still does. It still it still feels like a code that goes against the grain. Um, it's interesting, but I, I it's it's curious to me because I think a lot of the voices that we hear on the media. Uh, seem to come from the same type of perspective, which is um, they're either uh, very well educated in economics or politics or health or, you know, world affairs um, or the arts. And they it's all, um, I don't get much counter-cultural thinking from them. And to me, Christianity does seem like counter counter culture because it talks about the you know um it asks questions of ambition it asks questions of uh priority and hierarchy and all those things we have a culture that thrives on ambition we have an e- an economy mm. that suggests that if you're not ambitious she's the whole thing could collapse um if you're not consuming the whole thing will collapse. So I still find those, you know, my father once called me a martyr without a cause. 
uh, and he, he kind of meant that I, the vibe I got off it was, you know, um, I'm just dying to throw myself <laughs> on the line in front of the train um, for any cause, really. Uh, but I do, I'm, I'm inspired by, I'd even be inspired by the Pope. You know, there's a great documentary about him um, on iTunes at the moment, like A Man of His Word, I think it's called. You know, and the church at its heart is is countercultural. Um, and I think that the, I have a sense that the people that I meet every day, you know, my neighbours, uh, I have a sense that we, we carry this sense of countercultural decency within us. But it's not something that we ever hear spoken about too much on the national airwaves. Um, it's very it's certainly very unusual uh, for me to come across um, decency. I don't, I don't mean manners now. Um, I mean a kind of uh, putting people first type of mm. philosophy. And do you think Christianity or Catholicism offers that in, I don't know, a, a, a richer, fuller way for you than maybe another religion or another philosophy does? Uh, I'm just more familiar with, because I'm European, because okay. um, I'm, again, no more than the, uh, my, somewhere in my, the layers of uh, uh, tissue on my brain, there being a kind of an Irish language archetype. There's also a European hmm. Uh, archetype in terms of society and culture so you know um, that's the that's the tradition I belong to and even though I admire and very much enjoy a lot of eastern thinking uh, I, I, something resonates with me in a deeper level um, from the European one yeah um, but, but I wouldn't I didn't necessarily say that I'm um uh, it's like my my. It's, again, we're getting into words here and kind of word play, but the kind of the difference between faith and belief. Mm. So the 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 Apostles' Creed, or I think it's called, "I believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen is unseen." And that, that's quite a Jesus. I'm not sure I'd make it past the first four or five words of that <laughs> in a court, you know. Um, so. But faith is something languageless. So belief needs all these words. And belief, belief seemed to me is kind of an intellectual exercise. Uh, I don't believe in this and I do believe in that. And, uh, you know, beliefs change. Hmm. But I don't think faith changes. And I, I, and I don't think that faith can be put into words. What do you have faith in? You know, I couldn't tell you. I, I just have a sense of something. A feeling. Um, yeah, and I, and I, and and I don't know what that feeling is, but it just, to me, it seems to it seems to drift towards God. Now, when I say the word God, I couldn't even tell you what I mean by that. You know. So again, we're in we're in the territory of uh, where we have to embrace the accept the poverty of language. You know. Sometimes I I I don't know what the hell I'm looking for, um, but. Sometimes I think I'll find it in culture, you know, and I we might read a lot of plays or watch a lot of movies and then I get tired of that and I'll go back to reading, reading a lot of religious books and then I find the religious books, there's, there's no story in them. They're all theory. I'll go, you know, I'll go back to watching films again, you know, so I'm not, 
Mm. I haven't landed anywhere, you know. Uh, and are you searching? Are you looking? Are you kind of on a constant quest to? Yeah, if it, I mean, there are, like I said, I do have this constant, um, I've noticed this constant uh, search for stimulation and for adrenaline. And that might be, you know, having a triple espresso at half eight in the morning, followed by the cigar. <laughs> a big Mickey, a big Mickey dance cigar. <laughs> yeah. um, um, so, and then, then that's, fo- that's followed then by periods of absolute collapse, you know, where you've had the high of the caffeine and the tobacco, and then your body just goes, it's kind of shuts down for an hour and a half. So I have to go and lie down and sleep somewhere. And that would follow the kind of the rhythm I have when I'm performing. I'd have this hugely intense experience uh, for a few hours at night, but I need to have a nap a few times during the day. Um, so I kind of, I, I, yeah, and I, I just, I, I'm a person of extremes like that. I think you know, I don't, I don't cope very well with um, uh, a kind of, with a non-electrified life. I don't. Um, which is why going on the retreat, I've been on a few kind of um, long silent retreats and, and I find them quite challenging and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, so the, the, the constant questions and constant trouble and constant presences of, you know, memory and dealing with memory and guilt, dealing with guilt, hope, ego, you know, yeah. uh, playing as well, you know. Um, selfishness, the kind of the retreat into the self that you feel the work sometimes demands because you have you know you have to you have to drag a comedy show out of your own imagination. Whatever you're writing, you have to drag it out of yourself. Um, so all these things play, you know. Uh, but I have been thinking a lot about. I'm fifty, you know, and I've been thinking a lot about death and about time. Hmm. Um, and um the awareness that I could die tomorrow, you know, and if I was to die tomorrow, what notion of my life would I have? And I, most of the time it's one of the, ah, it kind of slipped through your fingers or you didn't really, you we, you were never grounded. That's what I'd say. That if I'd, if, if I was dying now, I'd kind of have that thing. I was, I was never actually grounded. Yeah. But would other people say something different about you? But who would they say it to now that that'll be dead? Do you know? I mean, that's, well, to <laughs> <laughs> be lowering, lowering the coffin into the grave. Well, he was very grounded. He was, well, he's grounded now for sure. That's one thing. <laughs> but, like, yeah. you know, when you're gone, is does that, is that, um, are you, are you negative about yourself? Are you critical? Are you a bit hard on yourself? Do you know, like I hear you say that, if that's your thought, is that a thought that's coming to mind if and when, whenever that is, that we're all going to die, you know, we don't know when, but mm-hmm. um, if that's the first thing that comes into your mind, uh, does that mean then that you're maybe just a bit hard on yourself? I wouldn't, I wouldn't see it that way. I would just no. see it uh, as a, you know, um, a sense of it now that you know this but it's all it's that, that yeah honestly that would be the sense of it that i have right now uh, and where would you go when you die where will i go mm. um i won't go back to navin i'll tell you that's really <laughs> where will i go um as in where do a... we go when we die like is it yeah. is that it is that the end do we go to heaven or hell 
or do we come back again? You know, what, what I would, um, my faith and my hope would be that, uh, I think it was Meister Eckhart, who was this, um, mm. 13th century German theologian. He said, then comes the soul into the unclouded light of God. Uh, and I think, I think that part of us, which is made in the image of God goes back into God. Mm. Um, and I sense that as a, and it's that part of us, which is beyond the senses. So the notion that we're like the Christian notion would be that we are more than just our five senses. So there's something else apart from our ability to hear, touch, taste, smell, and whatever the feel or whatever it is, um, mm. is that there's something else. So that, that part of us, which is, it makes, you know, it's very difficult for me to understand that part of us, which you cannot sense because we don't have the faculties for sensing it yeah. is there. And that's the part of me that will return to God. Hmm. Now, I mean, but there's, you know, right, there's a comfort not, in that, isn't there? There is, but sure. Look, I mean, th there's no, but you know, then your mind starts to poke holes in it and you're, you know, your brain starts to go, hang on a second here. And, you know, um, the, the fact that you've said it means you're declaring something from a perspective that that perspective can't comprehend. So it's a kind of, it's almost like a sentence outside your body. You're mm -hmm. saying something that's beyond your own understanding. You know, it's like speaking uh, a line of poetry in a language that you don't understand. And someone says, what does that mean? And he says, I, I don't know, I just said it. So I, I might say something like that. Then comes the soul into the unclouded light of God. But I have absolutely, who's saying it? Like my logical mind isn't saying it. My, I, my experiential mind isn't saying it. But it's there, it comes out of me. And it feels, it feels right for me to use that in my reply to you. It feels, that feels honest to me. That's, that's my faith. Apart from that, then I wouldn't, I don't know. Mm. Yeah, that's beautiful. But I suppose that is, is that just the inner knowing that we all have, whether we're able to see it or tap into it? But it's Again, I, 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 it, I think it, it resists poking. <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah do you ever yeah. meet someone like that? <laughs> they yeah. resist poking. So you can, we can go at it. Uh, but there's, you know, uh, there's a friend of mine who was up at, um, there was a, I think it was the Ashling Hotel in Dublin, but I might be wrong. Anyway, it was a place where country people would gather on a Sunday night for dancing. Mm. And uh, there's a friend of mine from Kinvara in Galway, and he's uh, a lovely, bowed energy about him. Like he's a, he's pure rascal and brave in it as well. Yeah. And um, he, he, he was up in the room and he says, oh, shall I go down and check this out? And the place was full of buffers now from, Tomb and slow and all these kind of we're getting together for the dench of a Sunday like and he yeah. spotted this one at the far side of the of the room dressed like a dominatrix or oh, head to toe <laughs> actually the boots and the tights and the top and the hair and the eyeliner yeah. and, and he goes like all the men were afraid of her of course you know so he goes striding over and he says I got within about five feet of her and she turned looked me straight in the eyes and said you'll get no good out of me. So that's what I feel like. <laughs>
<laughs> that's what I feel are any attempt to poke meaning into that Eckhart saying is, you know, we'll get no good out of it because we, we can't. We're not, we're not fit for it. <laughs> I love, I love how that statement led to that story. You mentioned, you mentioned retreats, and I'm, I'm, I'm interested because I'm, I'm into myself. I'm into, you know, self reflection. It's, it's hard work, but I, I think it's, it's worthwhile. Uh, sometimes it's not always great what comes up for us, but I, I, I see the benefit of, of doing it myself. So I'd love to, um, maybe talk to you a little bit more about how that came about or when you decided to to um challenge yourself like doing a silent retreat or whatever you've done um i suppose we mightn't necessarily understand our motivations for doing something all the time but mm. it's kind of nagging at me this this notion of uh of a silent retreat it still does i've done a few of them now um but but i i drift towards that you know I, it, it might be I mean, it, 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 it's more than one thing, of course. It's um, uh, it's a refusal of company on one level. Uh, so where does that come from? You know, it's a um, it's a refusal of of distraction. It's an attempt at peace. I, I, I you know, again, I, I there isn't a single sentence that says this is why I did it. I was just. It kept coming up in my imagination. Go on, do it, do it, do it. Um, so there was a place in, down in County Clare. It's a Buddhist retreat centre and they did these 10-day mm. uh, silent retreats. Um, so I just... Oh, that's impressive, 10 days. Well, there's longer ones than that, Jesus. And there was a young one from Athlone, would you believe, who was on the same retreat, who had just done 100 days Asked up, wow! In the forest in, um, in I was going to say Lakhray in Thailand. Um, so there's, and I met a man on a train then uh, about six or seven months ago who was off to do a forty-five day one, forty-five days if it like. Um, mm. So there's uh, uh, from zero to ten seems like a big jump, you know. But from ten, you know, and one of the guys I met on the chat show, the uh, Tibetan monk. Mm. Geelong Top Ten. Uh, he spent four years on an island by himself. You know, so there, there's any degree of yeah masochism when it comes to these things. So, but I understand completely how if you, for people who've never done one, ten days does seem like a lot, and it is. It does sound austere. You hand your phone over on day one. Yeah. Um, you get it back on day ten. There's no music. There's no. They might encourage you not to read. Uh, you meditate for maybe nine, eight or nine hours during the day. You're up very early in the morning. Uh, you eat at lunchtime and then you don't eat again till the following day. Um, so it does seem austere, you know. Uh, but uh, a friend of mine said to me one time, you know, the most important question, one of the most important questions we must ask ourselves is, is your life still an adventure? And, um, you know, for, you know, the, so I would love the notion of, uh, doing a, say, rowing a boat by myself across the Atlantic. Now, having said that, I wouldn't get from Barna to, to the beach in Mags Boreen, uh, 
I'm young at the minute. It's like, that's only about 45 yards. But so I'm drawn to these extremes, you know. Um, but that's a great question to ask, I feel. Is your life still an adventure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of the time you can equate adventure with travel or what do you mean? Like, are you supposed to walk across the desert backwards or, you know, um, go on a unicycle across China or use a pogo to go up Mount Everest? And a lot of the times it's 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 not that the, the adventure can be a meditative one. The adventure into your own sense of self, you know, that comes through meditation. You know, so that kind of stuff. Um, that's why I ended up doing it, you know, was this. It seemed exciting to me. Mm. Well, I mean, marriage is, is you know. Part of the you say yes to somebody in marriage for for reasons you don't fully understand, you know. But, but I think part of it must be that part of you is going. This is a good adventure, you know, the adventure with this person. This is a good thing to do. So, but it's a, it's, a, it's a great question to ask. Uh, where where is the adventure in my life? You know, hmm. um, and it might be that this particular part of the road. You're on is dark, mm. you know, but it, it is only a part of the road. And in the same way that, um, like, I'm a completely different person than I was 10 years ago. Yeah. O- utterly. I, I mean, on a molecular level, every cell in my body has been replaced. Yes. So physically, I'm not the same person. I have a sense of self that stays the same. I'm not the same person. I'm a completely different person than I was when I was 18. Mm. Uh, and you see it at children. You know, your 15-year-old is an entirely different person to the five-year-old. So if someone's going through a very difficult time now and in great darkness, know that it's only a part of the road. Yeah. And that, you you know, you were a completely different person five years ago. You will be on a molecular level, not some, not some sort of psychological transformation, even though, you know, our brains are made up of physical cells, mm. but you will be a completely different person in five years time, yeah. you know, and sometimes all you can do is accept where you're at and, and, uh, but no, I, that, that, no, that's glib. Um, if there is suffering, there is a lot of suffering. So yeah, I mean, what, what can you do to get through that? I, I, I don't know. Mm. No, look, I connect with everything you're saying because it's something I talk about an awful lot. Um, You know, that nothing is permanent and it's hard sometimes to see a little bit of light when you feel like the walls are closing in on you. And I think regardless of your own personal situation, everybody has had challenge in their lives and it's all it's all relative. But um, it's 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 nice if you have a voice or a hand that reaches out and tells you, you know what, it's not always going to be like this and, and things are in constant flow and change. So it's, it's a great, it's, I think it's a great one. And, uh, and one, one of the issues now, Sheila, as well, is in terms of space um, mm. and that people are confined to the same visual landscape for the past six or seven weeks. And that's, that can be very difficult. Yes. Um, especially if it's one that... Um, doesn't offer much in terms of, of a horizon. So mm-hmm. I do feel blessed to live in Barnet because I'm, you know, in in two minutes, I'm, I'm down on Galway Bay. Yeah. And I've always, and I, 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 I kind of fell in love with Connemara with that. First time I went there, I was, uh, 
went to the Gaeltacht in um, Indrawan when I was about 12. Mm-hmm. I know it was in Sheer I went out when I was 12, but I just, just, I, I fell in love with the big sky of it. And there aren't, once you go past Barnet, there aren't very many tall buildings. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so most places you are, there's an opportunity for great light to come in, you know, and especially if you live near the sea because you have the the light bouncing off the water as well. So I, I feel privileged now to have the, that landscape of Galway Bay right near my house. But I can understand for people who are who don't have that, um, whose visual world is quite boxed and hemmed in, and mm. um, how how tough that can be. You know, I I have this. I think if I was in charge of the country, I'd put, a, I'd commission a thousand acre forest in every county because I think Barna Woods can do more for people's mental health than Merlin Park Psychiatric Hospital. I, I wouldn't, yeah, I'm not, yeah. you know, I, I, I could do as much. I mean, I'm all in favour of medication uh, and I'm all in favour of diagnosis. Uh, but there are times when uh, a, a crooked forest can breathe peace into you as well, you know. Um, so I, I can, I, it must be very tough for people who, whose, um, whose eye lines are hemmed in at the moment for sure. Yeah, yeah. And when you when you speak about the sea, I, I'm I'm missing it an awful lot because I was reared by it, and and I think, um, the pullback, <laughs> the sea is always there, but particularly at the moment, I'm. I'm sensing that uh, it's absence, but I'm extremely grateful for what I have, and 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 you know, yeah. you know, the is always different as well, isn't it? Like you know, it is, the yeah. color of it is always different, and the energy, you know. So, it's like living with a very very moody person. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> you know, it might be in a great mood one day, and uh, and mind you, the, the awareness as well that you know. When the sea looks rough for you, it might be an absolute delight for the creatures living in it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. gorgeous. Last week on the podcast, I spoke to Sean Boylan. Oh yeah, great uh, man. Yeah, great man. And he spoke about you know he was speaking about nature in, his, in all its glory and 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 even sometimes how we don't need to like you speaking about burning the woods and just getting out and in it and it's like. You don't even need to understand it or, or be aware. You, just getting out into it uh, in itself is is good for you. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, going back to, if you don't mind, just want to kind of finish up on on the on the retreats at the end yeah. of the silence. And and for me, I found that I when I did it, I struggled to. I, maybe I'd be okay with not speaking, but I'd feel like I'd have to communicate in other ways. So I'd be, I'd be winking at someone, making the cup of tea without like, or, you know, trying to smile yeah. and communicate in one way or another, because I, I found there was an inner voice in me saying, don't be a rude bitch. You know, yeah. uh, you might not be able to talk, but at least acknowledge the person or, do you know, and, and yeah. I, that the part of the gig was to not even do that. And I found it a, a real struggle. It was a, it was, um, I, I suppose I got a lot out of it because I realized actually how difficult it was for me as, as somebody who likes to chat and I like to communicate and I like to hug people and I like to look into someone's eyes and I'm just that type of person, how much 
I struggled with it and, and all the stuff it brought up for me. Um, yeah. but for you, at the end of the experience, when you would get your phone back, you'd leave. How yeah. different would you be or would you be different at all at the end of it? The first time, so I did two two 10-day ones. Um, at the end of the first 10-day one, uh, my voice had gone up. I hadn't spoken for 10 days, so my voice had gone up a register. Oh, really? Yeah, so uh, it was quite quite soft and, and high-pitched and gentle. Um, and one of the things it gave you the opportunity to do was just to be in the present moment because there was no other moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of, that echoes off what's happening now, really. It feels like, for me anyway, it feels like I'm living the same day over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like, the days are coming so thick and so fast that it's almost like all the mornings are running at the same time. Like all the afternoons, all the evenings, they all, they all seem to be happening at the same, not not that the morning and the evening happen at the same time, but today, the morning today and the morning yesterday and three weeks ago and tomorrow, there's something about it. That they're kind of moving concurrently or something. I found when I came home after the retreat that I was um, one of the the things you get asked to do as a dad is to to join in with your children. And I would have always um, had you know oh, not now I'm I'm doing something and uh, you know I'm I'm busy at this and I'm busy. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Get that. And I, I noticed when I came back from, but, but that also has to do with, I think, with my work in that it is um, the, the kind of the adrenaline and the collapse I was so kind of stuck in that rhythm that I found it very hard to summon the energy to go playing with the kids when they wanted me to. Mm-hmm. I found when I came back from the treat that I was just, I was totally in the zone. I was just like, let's do it. You know, uh, and I got a great summer out of it. I was, I felt planted. And that was part of the reason for going on it again two years later was that I wanted that sense of connection with uh, my family when I came home, you know. 
it didn't, it didn't work out like that. I came off the second retreat and I didn't feel that way at all. Okay. Um, so it's that notion of kind of, I'm doing this in order to get that out of it. That doesn't work. Um, I'm finding, you know, so there, there are always challenges, I suppose. Um, I found that I still had the desire to be funny at the end of the, the retreat, you know, and try and say something stupid and, um, and that I'm not, I'm not a great, I, so we all sat around in a big circle mm. after the first one, you know, and people had to, to talk about how they felt during the retreat and what came up with them. And some people's revelations were so dynamic. Like this woman just said, I was angry. I was just, she said, after four days, I was just burning with this anger. And she said, and she's talking about how she struggled with it. And it was only when she gave into it that it kind of, it kind of blazed itself away. So some people had huge experiences mm. and they came around to me to talk and I found myself getting emotional and I, I kind of, I, I micromanaged myself. I kind of knew, geez, if I keep talking, I'm going to burst into tears here and I don't want that to happen. I don't want to start crying in front of these people. I don't want to be that vulnerable and weak in front of them. I want to be in control. Mm-hmm. So I I didn't talk about the thing that uh would have would have made me cry. So I, you know, it, it think about that then you go, okay, I've you know, I like to be in control. I you know, I don't like you know, so 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 I, I noticed that and I noticed that Jesus uh so th- those kind of things happened, you know. Um And do you hoping- do you regret not allowing yourself to really be vulnerable and go, I'm going to just tell them what is going on for me now, because this is a safe space. We've shared this experience. No, I, I don't, no. don't regret it. No, I don't no. regret it. No. <laughs> I just think it had happened. So um, and if, if it happens again, I'll, I'll, I'll know that it happened before and maybe I'll be a bit braver next time. And did and you I'm, talk to anyone else then about the shit that came up for you? Not really. I, did you, you know, need to? No. Well, the, the, what I did notice is, is two things. There's, um, so you're sitting uh, and I was meditating with my eyes open at, at this stage. So um, I'm staring at, at a wooden floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you did the knots of the wood and they're so kind of organic and uh, intricate. So I'm looking down at these knots, you know, and after about three days, I see a vagina. In, okay. Yeah. In okay. Wood. Okay. And, I, and I'm going, God, almighty, look, it's it's like a I mean it's not it's not perfect, but it is definitely <laughs> a, a vagina. Okay. So do you have this whole notion of like what's what's in you will come out of you? So I'm there <laughs> I'm staring at the vagina and I can't not see it. I can't. Uh-huh. You know, so hour I'm now hour, seeing it with you. I'm just staring at and then after about seven days, it turned into Jesus with the thorns on his head and 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 bleeding and I couldn't not see it. I couldn't find the vagina at all. And it was now it was Christ. So those things happened, you know, uh, now I can tell you that they absolutely happened and that that's what I saw. Uh, almost yeah, to the yeah, point yeah, yeah. Where, if, where if someone came over 
I can say, come here and I'll show you this vagina in the woods. You know? <laughs> so those types of things happened. I was hoping to lose weight. Uh, well, you didn't eat, you only basically ate, it's by the sound of things, like one or two meals a day. Did you not lose I mean, weight? Two meals. Uh, so you at breakfast at seven and then you had a, um, a, your main meal of the day at 12 and then you didn't eat the following day at seven. Wow. And I, it was in everybody's mind. It must have been because we're all so obsessed with weight. Um, <laughs> it was that, I, I, everybody was thinking, oh, this would be great. No, I lose a few pounds. <laughs> but but we, we, the food we ate at 12 was so full of carbs in order to keep us going for the next day. And we were so inactive. Uh, that mm. I wasn't the only one who was disappointed when the game <laughs> stepped on the scales and went, ah, Jesus, now are you serious? <laughs> 10 days and half starved. And I, I put on a pound, like a pound. <laughs> no wonder the Buddhists are so kind of rotund. You know, anyway, so those were the, um, that's what happened. Oh, it's brilliant. I'm, I don't think I'll ever get the image of the vagina and Jesus on the cross. But that one, trans, one, but one, one went into the other. Do you know? Yeah. It wasn't well, maybe, a, well, maybe then, were you not entering the womb of your soul, as it were, into this <laughs> moment of clarity? But look, you mightn't be far off, but all I can tell you is that they're there. <laughs> it's brilliant. Um. Yeah. So look, we, we, yeah, but back to um, back to the now. What 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 that even means? I I think we're still only trying to get our heads around it. Um, I think a lot of people initially, it's like we're all going through it at our own pace and adjusting to it in our own way. Um, I've gone from obsessing about the news in the early weeks to now yeah. barely watching it because I I know how sensitive I am to it and yeah. how it can impact my day. And I'm a mother to a little boy. He'll be three in in August, and I'm conscious of, of 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 my own energy and and what that'll mean. Because what I've noticed, you know, from weeks back when I was watching way too much news and listening to it all the time was I was on edge. I felt like I was constantly ready for an attack, as it were. Sure, I felt yeah. like I, I was just I was just yeah irritable, and um, that was no good for anyone. Um, you said in the morning, like you have a strong coffee, you check in. Do you have habits now that you, you're adapting to, as in, uh, you know, are you consuming a lot of news? Or are you aware of maybe not watching a lot? How is it working for you? Not really. I mean, I do check websites, but I think I, th I think I'm looking for hits. I think that's just, that's just a, I'm trying not to be bored or I'm finding it difficult to deal with boredom. So I know if I go on, I check three or four websites and I, I know I'll get a little, you know, oh, oh my God, oh really, oh Jesus, all right. And then I'll get despondent going, this is actually crap. Um, so um, I'm going to try and stop smoking the cigars actually. Uh, I have about five of them left and I'm tempted just to get rid of the five of them now because I get presents of big boxes. You know, there's, mm. there's, there's 25 cigars in a box and I've gone through on my third box um, so, I also I, I would I drink a lot of whiskey at night, mm. um, and uh, every time I try and give it up, another bottle arrives at the house. Okay. So um, there's stuff like that going on that I kind of think, okay, we have to be kind to ourselves as well, you know, and 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 live easily. Mm. Uh, but there's always stuff going on like that that you think. Um, uh, that you question, you know, going, am I just looking for buzzes here? Mm -hmm. you know, um, so 
and I drink it. I have very, very strong coffee in the morning. Um, and I have a big pot of it. And I, and I, but I kind of, I, I used to drink coffee during the day, but now I'm only down to the morning. So, and I'm inventing work for myself. Like started writing a novel, then I started writing a play and, you know, so I'm, I'm keeping myself busy, but it's kind of, um, to what purpose I couldn't tell you. Mm. And then you're a husband and you're a dad. So I suppose yeah. you're, 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 um, you know, you're getting quality family time as well. Yeah. 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 And that's because I'm on the road so much. Uh, I was with my daughter recently and I said to her, what, uh, what, what good things have you noticed out of this? And she kind of said, well, I don't, I'm glad I'm not going to school, even though she misses her pals and mm. uh, I'm glad there's no homework. Um, and then she said, you know, and it's great that you, you don't have to go to work, mm. you know, so um, that kind of stuff is happening as well. And personally for myself, and my wife, it feels uh, it's a kind of a reminder of how we're able to live together. Mm. You know, that it's actually most of the time it's actually it's good. It's fine. You know, it's very uh, we get on very well together. Um you need, you need breaks, of course, and every now and again, there's going to be friction. Uh, but more or less, most of the time, it's, she's a wonderful person to spend time with. I know there are a lot of people who, you know, aren't in that situation. Mm. You know, there are people as well that I'd wonder, like, people who have affairs, like, where, what are they doing? Like, how mm. are they? Are they still meeting? I, I worry about drug addicts. You know, how is that whole thing going where are, if you're on how are people who are addicted to heroin getting the money to get the heroin mm. um because not they, they can't there's nothing to nothing, nothing's open to steal you, it's very difficult to meet somebody to sell it to um mm. there's no begging going on the streets you know stuff like that um so all in all we're uh it has its challenges um uh but uh i think we're we're, we're doing we're doing good yeah yeah how do you think how do you think this time will will change us? I mean, it, it feels to me like we're already changing. I think it's impossible not to have something happen on this scale for it not to impact um, every facet of our lives. But how do you think it'll ultimately change us as as a people here in Ireland? Um, or- I hope we I hope we don't become afraid of touch. And mm-hmm. I um, Ireland in the 30s and 40s maybe was a country where uh, it wasn't a very tactile country. You talk to people who, who were around in that time and they could say it just it just wasn't as tactile. You know, the people weren't as physically friendly with one another. There was something, there was a fear of the body or something. And I hope when we come out the far side of this that we embrace that again, that we be, that we learn to become tactile with one another that we're not afraid of touching strangers. We're not afraid yeah. of being in the conversation. And you know, one, of the, one of the great things about mobile phones, for me, being someone who's very well known in Ireland, um, is the amount of people who come up to me and ask me for a photograph and they all lean in against me. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'd get men, women and children who, do you mind if we take a photo? I said, it's not a problem. And they all, and they put their shoulder into me and we put our arms on one another and we take the photo. Um, and I hope we don't lose that sense of intimacy with our friends and with strangers. Um, yeah. And I, I, I suppose um, 
I, we all, I mean, I don't know. Some people obviously they're working still the same way that they were ever always working in terms of busyness, you know. Uh, but I'm not. So I have a, I have a great sense of slowing down. Mm. Um, and uh, I would like to think that I would, I hope that I can take some of that with me going forward. And I'll try not to be disappointed if I don't. Do you know? Like, yeah. Whatever way I'll be, whatever way we'll all be, we'll be. But uh, one of the nice things about now is the slowness. It is, yeah. Yeah, I'm, 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 uh, we're loving it, to be honest. And it's, it sounds like a weird thing to say. And, and I sometimes feel I have to be careful because it can come across as very insensitive when, when people are sick and people are dying. But for us yeah. as a family and, and, uh, and Damien is an essential worker, but we're still getting a lot of quality time, the mm -hmm. three of us as a family. And like, I, I've, I haven't looked up at the sky, at the clouds as much in the last few weeks. Um, the last time I did that really was when I was a kid and that's a yeah. few years ago now. So doing mm -hmm. simple things like making daisy chains with Kahal and right. feeding the ducks and just listening to the birds and, 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 and not in any made up way, just truthfully, we get out on our bikes every day and it's simple yeah. stuff and it's gorgeous. Yeah, It's absolutely gorgeous. And I feel far more fulfilled going to bed at night. And this is like, I'm a freelancer. All of my work is pretty much gone. So I'm not bringing really much money in. And there's all the yeah. fears that go with that. But the stuff I'm getting at the moment is, uh, is priceless. And in the past, mm -hmm. I would have gone on the retreat to get those little moments, those little glimmers of, of yeah. gratitude, of present moment awareness, of, mm -hmm. of what it all means, what really matters in life. You know, yeah, yeah. we're not here forever. Who knows what's around the corner stuff. And I feel like I'm yeah, getting yeah, it now yeah. on a daily basis because I'm kind of listening now and I'm starting to tune in to what's, yeah, 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 yeah. what's important, you know, and it's lovely. Yeah. Funny story now that I heard recently that I don't know if it's, I think it's kind of half connected to what you're saying. Mm. Uh, a friend of mine who is from Karna mm. and uh, he told me a story of this, uh, this fella who had um, a father and a husband and, you know, uh, children in their teenage years and stuff like that. And uh, he lent the car to uh, a family friend mm. and the wife was taking the head off and she says, what? He says, we, I need that car for going into the, going into Carrow or whatever, do, do shopping or, oh, what, are you, what are you doing? How, how am I supposed to drop the kids to here and there and everywhere? And uh, in reply, he uh, he got a glass and he filled it with water up to the mm. very brim, you know, and uh, he 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 left he left the tap running uh, into the glass. And he says, uh, is there any new water going into that? And she said, no, of course not, because uh, you have it under the tap the whole time. And he says, right. And he turned off the tap and he poured some of the water out. And he said, sometimes you have to pour stuff out to get stuff in. Mm. You know, so I don't know how that connects. But I just thought of that story when you were talking mm. there about. Um, it just reminds yeah, me. Yeah, whatever, yeah, I, yeah. I love that. And it's true. It's. As you said, like it's, uh, you know, and, and I know that for you in March and April, you had, you know, you would have been gigging and, and yeah. you would have been in the flow of, of, of what that's like for you. And for me, yeah, loads of gigs on in different ways, as in I'm um, seeing things, giving talks, whatever it was. And sure, like that, they all went. 
And then you're forced to, well, you can, can't control it because that's been taken out of your hands. So you, there's this kind of process then of, okay, am I going to allow myself to bitch and moan about it or be upset? And there's time and a place for everything. And, and we all have our own ways of doing things. But the sooner I got to that place of this is what it is. And, you know, let's, I think what's lovely about it as well, it's, it's building despite the physical disconnection. And I completely connect to what you're saying about, I hope, and I worry about it too, because anyone who knows me knows, like if we were to meet in person, I'd like to think that, uh, and even it reminded me of when we saw each other last time, I think last time was last year at the Dublin Horse Show, we bumped into each other. And when you were talking about taking photos of people and and I did exactly what you just described about people, because I suppose that's what you do, isn't it? When you take a photo, you like to get in nice and and tight to a person and get the nice photo. Um, But like I'd be very tactile as a person. I love giving people a hug and reaching out and, you know, and and that does concern me, you know. But I do think despite the lack of physical connection at the moment, there's a real sense of connection with people right now. I think what I'm finding with in terms of interactions with people that I know, um, it's like there's a lot of healing going on, as in there's this awful thing that's after happening that's really upended us and our lives, but it's kind of cutting through layers of bullshit into what really matters. And there feels like there's a sense of checking in with each other now and and making sure we're okay. That is that is lovely, and and maybe we needed to be reminded of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is what I I I think is is so. Um, what is the word? I don't know what what the word is, but this is a touch of magic more than a touch of magic about your TV show, in mm-hmm. that you never know who's going to come out or where the conversation is going to go, yeah. and it's so hugely popular. And I think you've probably opened yourself up to a whole different fan base. Um, people that maybe wouldn't have known you, particularly perhaps an older generation who might not have gone and see your, seen your shows necessarily, but yeah. are now loving your TV shows and loving yeah. your your conversations because they just, they go in a place that can sometimes feel um, uh, very special. I remember bumping into you once, yourself and Yvonne at Croke Park, I think it was in All-Ireland a few years ago, and it was yeah. after your um, Martin Hayes conversation. Oh, and and I think I shared with you my absolute adoration of him anyway. He's such a stunning musician. But that conversation was one of those that just, I thought, I'm being brought to a different place here. This yeah, is not a TV show. Me afterwards. Go on, tell me. So I went into the green room afterwards, you know, and it was such a, 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 a it's, that, it's that way that language can lead you to different states of mind, mm. that there are certain words that triggers certain chakras opening and it was just yeah I felt altered by the chat you know and as mm. you would with some people just a, a wonderful experience and I went into the green room in RTE afterwards and I said Martin that was great fair play to you um, how was it for you and he goes uh, not good now if I'm being honest Tommy not no. good and I said uh, why is that Martin he said um said, I think I came across too well. Um, <laughs> he said, I need for people to know that I'm also a bit of a bollocks. <laughs> oh my God, that's genius. <laughs> so isn't that lovely? Ah, oh, I love that. <laughs> 
Uh, pure, pure East Clare mischief in it. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Lovely. Lovely. Yeah. I remember years ago, years and years ago, my 20s, and I um, I was down, oh, where was it? Was it the Fecal Festival in Clare? Or might, mm-hmm. anyway, I was, I was talking to Martin anyway, and he was running one of his workshops. And we started to get into a conversation about, he, he was telling me about, um, his time in Outer Mongolia and spending time with uh, the people there and how they would, you know, get together um, in front of a fire at night and, and share a story and sing. Mm. And and he said it felt like he was listening to Shanos. Um, mm. And his belief was that when you, when you pull away technology and distractions and influences, that there is this universal sound, this earthy sound, this... Yeah that us as, as humans make and actually it's very much connected regardless of where we're from in the world. And it was just, it was really interesting. And he's a, he's a fascinating and beautiful, beautiful man. And uh, um, when he played for you that night in the show, it, it was something, something, just something beautiful happened, something very special. And it felt like, um, and I think that happens when you, when you speak to people, because it feels like you allow that space to travel in that you don't get on other TV shows when no more than this. Like I try, I try not to write out questions when I'm mm. chatting to people, but you still in essence map out certain things or areas that you want to go to, don't you? In your mind, when you know the person you're going to be talking to, you go, I'd like to talk to him about this. I'd like to, I wonder what his perspective yeah, would be on that or whatever. Yeah, but they'd come into your head anyway, even if you hadn't prepared. You I know, suppose so, be, yeah. As soon as, as soon as a person presents themselves, your version of their personal history mm. uh, arises as well. And you go, oh, I could ask about this. I could ask about that. So, mm. um, But that the, holding space for someone to allow yeah. it just go wherever it's going to go. is. Do you yeah. do something beforehand? Is there a process, a creative process that you go through to allow yourself to be that um, just receptive, I suppose? I get very stressed. Yeah. Uh, especially the morning of it. Um, I was, I mean, okay. So we've done four series. I think before series two, uh, I was, I was stressed six months away from it. Oh, go away. You know, and yeah, cause you can't, cause you can't prepare. And all your, all, all you can do is think yourself into knots and, and try to think yourself out of them. So it's a lot of thinking. And, yeah. um, that, you know, it's kind of futile. I, oh God, I, I, there's no way of preparing for it. Mm. So consequently, I get quite uh, anxious. Um, and I, the morning of the show, I'm thinking, why am I doing this? Why am I volunteering for this stress? What is it about me that I'm always looking for the difficult thing to do? Why can't I just be at home taking it easy? You know, um, uh, so no, there's no real um, thing to it other than uh, I remember I got talking to somebody who said to me, uh, "When you're opposite the person, imagine a huge white flower in their chests, and it's opening, mm-hmm. and it's it's con- kind of continually opening." So I did that for all of I think series three. Any time that I felt I I had no idea what I was going to say next. I'd be aware of them talking, I'd be listening and I just, and I'd also imagine this flower uh, around their kind of breastbone opening. Mm. But I, I don't really, um, 
I, I and I couldn't tell you why the show works. There, I Did it help? Did that help? I think well, it got me through it. Um, mm. and maybe it led me to ask questions that I, I mightn't have thought of otherwise. I don't know. I, I, I feel like it's um, the essence of the show is, is basically unknowable. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and a lot of time when people are putting a show together, think, well, what we're after X, Y, or Z, and they they try and build it around that. But I think th- this show is just particularly there's something 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 about that you can't define, and it, it's so, and that's the attractive thing. You know, there's the there's the attraction for people of oh, I wonder who it's going to be, uh, and I I wonder what Tommy will say to them. Um, that's only part of it though. That's only a small, there is something else happens that, that's kind of like, it's kind of like we, I, I, don't, I don't even know. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. So, Well, I suppose you, you mentioned earlier that when you were at the end of the retreat, you struggled to allow yourself to be vulnerable to, to go there with certain kind of mm. emotions or uh, whatever for you in in that moment was the thing. And I think what the show does is it it demands vulnerability, not just from you as the host and holding the person holding space, but for the person walking out, oh, they're yeah. putting themselves in that position where, geez, Tommy might not have a clue who I am or, yeah. you know, yeah. so I think there's a, there's a, there's a deep vulnerability from both sides, which is a very powerful thing to witness yeah. as a viewer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it makes it really compelling. Mm-hmm, yeah. How do you feel afterwards when you come off, when you finish? Brilliant. I feel like I've been through something. I feel like yeah. slightly transformed, minutely transformed. And I'd be, wow. I'd be shifted. I'd be elevated. I'd be expanded. <laughs> mm. uh, slightly stoned from the whole thing um, for... Uh, probably till the following day, probably till three or four o'clock the following day. Um, yeah. So maybe okay. that that's the price, the anxiety is the price you have to pay for that. You know, if you waltzed in and waltzed out of it, maybe there'd be no, but I'm not sure how integral the stress is to it, you know. Um, but mm-hmm. I do, I would, be, I'd feel beautifully uh, altered, you know, after the show. That's brilliant, because I think for a lot of performers that I've spoken to, there is they have different and maybe it depends on the, on the, what you're doing. Maybe you feel differently coming off stage doing a gig or, or, or whatever it is. But sometimes there is a feeling of, of as you said, almost that stoned, calm, really like yeah, chilled yeah. feeling. Uh, I don't get that from every stand up gig. Um, sure. But I do get it from the vast majority of TV shows, but, but 95 percent of them. Um, very rarely now I'd walk off and go that didn't work and I, I don't I don't even know what I would mean sometimes you meet a guest that that is just is doesn't want to divulge anything mm. and, and uh, is just not it's not even so much that they don't want to divulge anything they're not comfortable and mm. you can sense it off them for the whole interview they're just not they're just no something in them is going no no how do I survive this is what they're thinking. How do I survive? How do I, you know, and they bat questions away instinctively and reflexively and there's no, uh, so those kind of conversations, you kind of go, Jesus, was was that, um, uh, mm. that just didn't happen, you know, but they're, they're quite few, you know, and even those ones, 
when people watch them on telly can come across as quite lively and interesting. Uh, so it's all quite a subjective thing, you know. Yeah, and I think maybe what you or maybe the team might pick up on, if people at home sure. might not have registered at all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Are there any, for a show that is so fluid and so open and so we don't know what's going to happen mm -hmm. here, are there any guidelines or rules or is there any criteria that you go, okay, as long as, as we 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 know this is the core of what the show is, we're fine, but we need to remember that the, we have certain rules. No, not really. Other than um, I, I'd asked them at the, I asked the researchers, we might go through the list of guests. So, so once the the show starts, there's no point in me saying, um, there's no point in me criticizing the guests, the choice of guests, to the researchers because all the guests have been chosen. So what I would say to them at the beginning of the whole thing was we might go through the list that were on the last show, and mm. I might say look, I, I felt this didn't work because, or I felt this when this person worked out, walked out, you know. Um, and the only thing I'd, I'd say to them is that I would prefer if it wasn't a comedian and I would prefer if the person who walks out isn't already a friend of mine. Aha, uh -huh, okay. The, the only, and the only reason for that is because I would be afraid that I'd, I'd have nothing to say to them mm. or something. Do you know what I mean? And I... Totally. Um, now... They, those rules haven't been followed. Uh, I remember John Bishop was on, who is a comedian and a friend of mine, and it was a fantastic interview. Hmm. Um, so, uh, and what I mean by going through the guests at the start of the, when the researchers start and saying, look, this person walked out. So somebody might walk out and I, my initial thing would be, I've seen that person loads of times on Ray Darcy. You know, yeah, or yeah, yeah. somebody might walk out and I say, I've interviewed this type of person before. But in the, so we've done four series and we've done, I think, somewhere between 70 and 90 guests. Yeah. And if you just think of the work that involves for all the, for the researchers, that's happened to me twice. Mm. So two out of 70, I've gone ah, blast, this is going to be hard. The rest, so that just shows you the phenomenal job they do mm. uh, in, in picking 70 people that walk out and I go, brilliant, great. And yeah. let's, or, you know, let's see where this goes. So it's only, it's only happened twice that I've kind of gone, ah, blast. Um, but no. Uh, and there are certain people that I kind of always thought would come on. You know, mm. I had a feeling Geldof would come on. Right, okay. I had no idea when, you know, uh, I had a feeling Michael D might come on. Mm -hmm. um, but none of the, uh, I, you know, no guarantee here. I, I convinced myself one night that Nick Cave was coming on. Right. I convinced myself. I just 100% convinced myself. And of course, it was, it, was, it was nowhere near the country, never mind the television show. <laughs> so I get myself worked up, you know. I, I'd be like a... Um, and I suppose the researchers and, and they have to learn how to, they have learned and they are wonderful women. Um, so it's, it's the, many three women who choose, who choose the guests. Mm. Um, and I suppose I, I'm, 
I'm not a I'm not a, a uh, I'm not a very demanding host. I don't think I don't I'm not prone to tenter tantrums or any of that kind of stuff. You know, I'm, I'm they would say that I'm quite easy to to deal with. But I do get a, I do get I'm sure sometimes I get kind of slightly wound up and and I'm a bit like a an excited a horse in the stables. I need to be let out from around the field in order to calm down. Um, so, but I my any any praise of the show really. Uh, a huge part of that has to go uh, to Kate, Olive, and Therese, who hmm. uh, uh, and Nicola for the first series, uh, who, who bring on the guests. I mean, you know, they put six months work into it. Yeah. Um. So we're supposed to start recording now again in December, and they'll start work in July, looking for people. You know. Yes. So it's a stunning amount of work. So it I is, think yeah. the the success success of the show uh, is. It wouldn't exist without them. Mm. I wonder will the show be different when it's back in December, as in not necessarily the guests. That'd be easy to implement social distancing there if it's still needed, which probably will be realistically. But audience wise, mm. do you think it'll yeah, be spaced it's a whole out? Great thing. It's a whole great yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Do you shoot it in a studio where there isn't, there isn't room for an audience anyway, so there isn't this big vacant space in the room? Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing I've been wondering recently is that I think maybe are, is three guests per show too many? Am I am I kind of spinning by the time? Do, do I have the right energy for each guest if I'm doing three interviews one after the other? Um, like with the right. show work with two guests, uh, but they're all kind of small details to to kind of sure. to kind of figure out. But that, but I think with in terms of just in terms of the studio audience, we'll get guidance from the Ray Darcy show and the Late Late show, you know, in terms of that, like if they're operating without guests, without um, an audience, then we'll probably have to do the same, you know, so we'll see. Yeah. Um, Before I let you go, because actually we've been talking some time now and you've been so good to give me so much of your time. Um, But, you know, today, I suppose the first day that the restrictions have been, I wouldn't even say lifted, it's just gone from the 2K to the 5K mainly right yeah. now and then of course we'll see where we are in two weeks time and and the government has their plan to deal with the the pandemic over the coming weeks and months to follow do you have any plans made yourself or anything um, mapped out over the next while no i haven't seen uh my granddaughter ava uh in two months and i haven't seen my older children dylan uh jake and eve in two months hmm. um so i'd like to give them a squeeze yeah um i think we need to be careful in terms of all the talk about um people staying in their own houses uh i think we have to watch ourselves for ageism and making hmm. decisions for people who are over the age of 70 that they really should be making for themselves and I think that this vast presumption that the young somehow have wisdom and authority over the elderly is something that I think we need to keep an eye on and not be letting uh, health officials, politicians um, or people in the media uh, make decisions for, for for old age pensioners or people who are uh, in their seventies and above, that that they don't want. Um, I think we have to keep an eye on that. And uh, as a friend of mine said to me, we have to lose the notion 
that age is numerical. He said you can be very, very old in your 30s and very, very young in your 70s. And the I think we have to have we have to give those people autonomy. Now, I'm not talking about disregarding uh, health advice, but I'm talking about not erring on the other side as well and not um, not not being ageist. Yes. Absolutely. So, all those things. And I'm dying for a pint of porter in mm. a pub. Uh, I'm dying to go walking down Shop Street uh, and pop in places for a cup of coffee. Um, mm. You know, they're the kind of things I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, look, um, thank you, Tommy. Thank you, Sheila Shoiga. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's been it's been it's been brilliant. It's been different. Uh, it's weird not to see you to have this chat. Um, like I'm sitting the corner of the bed here. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm just hoping it's recording. <laughs> I think it is. Um, but you know, thanks for for taking the time to to do My this. Pleasure. You know, I I I uh, I referenced you in the show. In the show before last, <laughs> the stand up show. I think uh, I may yeah. have heard that from some. Someone who was there. Were, um, I was talking about the uh, the apparition in Knock, and I was talking about the Mayo people um, uh, staring at the wall for a month and a half, and then the Virgin Mary comes down, and uh, one of the one of the buffers says, "She's going, Jesus, she's the spitting image of Sheila Shoiger." <laughs> so there you go. I love it. I love it. Well, hey, thank you. My ego thanks you for, the, for that reference. Ah, oh, um, look at love to Yvonne and uh, enjoy yeah. this very weird time uh, in in what you know whatever that means for all of us. But uh, it was a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, it's been gorgeous. I really appreciate it. And you've given me a lot of a lot of food for thought, and I think those listening will uh, will get a lot out of it as well. I'd be I think I'll be processing a lot of it now for the next while, which is always a sign of a good chat. So um, thank you for that. My pleasure. Well, there it is. I hope you got as much out of this conversation as I did. And I would love, as always, to hear your feedback. You'll find me at Sheila Shoiga on Twitter or on Instagram. And if you can take a minute to rate this podcast, leave a review and hit subscribe, I would be so incredibly thankful. And I want to thank everybody who has done that so far. It honestly means so much. Um, and in terms of spreading the word about these conversations, it really does help. So thanks a million. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 